time now for our regular edition of The Pick. We have a couple of fabulous guests with tips for you in terms of what to read, watch and listen to in the, the very broadly defined framework of foreign affairs, politics and history. This month we're joined by a new contributor, Dr Adele Webb. She's a research fellow in democracy and citizen engagement at the University of Canberra in their Centre for Deliberative Democracy and Global Governance. That is a mouthful. And the author of a recently published book, Chasing Freedom, the Philippines' Long Journey to Democratic Ambivalence. Uh, welcome, Adele. Thanks so much for having me, Geraldine. And we welcome back Richard McGregor uh, from the Lowy Institute, who was in Singapore last week for the Shangri-La Dialogue. Hi there, Richard. Hi there. Now, Adele, I'd like to start with your reading pick. You've chosen Politics with the People, Building a Directly Representative Democracy. It's by three people, Michael Neblo, Kevin Esterling and David Laser. And it's essentially, I understand, about experiments on a model to improve government and getting regular people more in involved with government decision-making. Tell us, tell us more. Yeah, I know. Imagine that. Um, so I picked this book, um, well, not only because it's sort of um, been considered one of the most important books on democracy and representation in kind of recent decades, but also because I think it's um, it's quite hopeful. Um, I, so much of our discussion on democracy these days is pretty grim. I mean, you talk about political polarisation, lack of trust, we're cynical, there's kind of this sense of interest group capture of state institutions, monopolised media and go on, on and on and on. And this is sort of mirrored in our lived experience where people are saying that they've never felt so powerless um, in democracies. Um, so it's hard to find a, a way out of that that's kind of not kumbaya, um, a kind of a remediation of democracy that's grounded on kind of genuine possibility for reform. So against kind of ideas for more direct democracy, so more referenda or more kind of direct voting like in Switzerland, or against even pushes to make policymaking more technocratic, these authors um, who are essentially kind of based out of a, a project in Ohio called Connecting to Congress, what they're kind of arguing is that we need to work to reform institutions of representation and that they're not arguing that the kind of that the problem is um, something different. What they're arguing is that it the discontent is really rooted in a lack of connection and people's right. feeling of lack of connection and lack of effective dialogue with their elective representatives. And is it readable or is it very much an academic term? Yeah, yeah that's an important point. It is published by Cambridge University Press, but I want to assure people, okay, it's not not something to take on your beach holiday, but at the same time, um, it is very readable. Um, and yeah, the language is really, it's very well, well written and it's, um, it's a really interesting and kind of well-structured read. Okay. So certainly accessible. Good. Now, Richard, you've clearly been reading a lot, as we know you do, and you've chosen three books, including Happily for Us Beyond the Wall, East Germany 1949-1990 by Katja Hoyer, whom we happen to have on the program next week. Can you give us a flavour of it, please? Yes, I don't want to steal her thunder, but it was pretty interesting to walk into a bookshop, Abbey's in Sydney the other day, and the number one bestseller book at the time was a book on East Germany. And I thought, how was fantastic it? is that? I was looking for it, actually. But she, her thesis, basically, our views of East Germany, which, of course, has disappeared as a state, is all about the Stasi and drugged up Olympic athletes. And she wanted to give a much broader view about the society, the economy, and the politics, um, and it's a really fantastic book actually to read about. You know how they established a state, how they struggle. 
you know, East Germany's leaders were ultra-Stalinists, right? They survived the Nazis in the 30s. They sheltered... A few of them did. <laughs> yeah, a few of them did, right? Most of them were killed. Uh, and then, of course, they wanted they wanted to be like Stalin. So they were quite extreme characters. But there's lots of great stories in the books. I'll tell you one quickly. Mm. When East Germany ran out of coffee, it was one of the day, few daily pleasures in 1977, and they had to do a deal with Vietnam, barter trade, as communist states did. Uh, and they sold them hydropower. Vietnam sold them all of their coffee, or they were going to, but then... East Germany collapsed and that's why Vietnam is one of the world's biggest coffee exporters these days. Gosh, now I didn't read that. Mm, yeah, that's I, in there. I, I did. Oh, okay. There's, there's, there's so much in there. It's beautifully written too, mm. I think. And, yeah, we know so little, so little about it. And just quickly, what were your other two picks, please? Yeah, quickly. I mean, my output in your program today is pretty grim. The second one is Red Memory by Tanya Brannigan. It's about the cultural revolution in China. Uh, and, you know, the real memories of people there, some who killed their parents or had their families torn apart, mostly suppressed in China. Uh, and that's a great book. And I want to give a plug to um, uh, Political Lives by Christine Wallace in Canberra about Australian prime ministers and their biographers, which I thought was a really uh, fantastic book. Of course, many of the early prime ministers didn't have biographers. That's the whole story there. But I think that's really worth reading as yeah, well. Yeah, it's a, an intriguing idea, isn't it? How did the biographers change the way we talk about politics? It was it, a great, great idea. Clever, Lots clever. Lots of things in there. Angle. I, I do notice all of your uh, recommendations are female, Richard. Well, I had I wasn't conscious of that, Geraldine. So, <laughs> okay. you, well, the... you might say that. And now, Adele, your watching pick is season four of Borgen, Power and Glory, um, the latest instalment of the excellent Danish political drama. Um, and this is a bit of a revival of sorts. I mean, I watched the first two. I haven't even watched the third. I think it's the best oh, politics dear. I've ever seen, I know, on television. Um, so it's a revival. It's always a bit of a risky endeavour. Um, does it work? Oh, it, it so works um, in so many ways. Um, I couldn't resist uh, recommending this. I love this show so much. Um, I recently read a review in Vanity Fair that said, um, Borgen treats its viewers like intelligent adults, but mm. adults who aren't above light soap opera vibes. <laughs> and I guess guilty as charged. <laughs> My husband and I received the box set of the first three seasons of The Wedding Gift a few years back, and it was our favourite present. Um, yeah, so it's a Danish political drama set in Copenhagen, um, season one aired in 2010. So first three seasons over the next three years and then it was a 10-year gap between season four, between season three and season four. Um, and, yeah, it, it really does work. I mean, season four is um, incredibly contemporary, so it's very, also very globally oriented because largely by virtue of the fact that Birgitta Nuburg, the central character, finds herself in the role of foreign minister of Denmark instead of... Uh, where we saw her in season one as the pro first female prime minister of Denmark. Um, so there's kind of references to COVID, to Russia's invasion of Ukraine, um, US-China tensions, uh, the CIA. It's all there, but it has this kind of consistent storyline, which is a bit different to the first three se uh, seasons um, through the whole season four, which is really centred on this discovery of a huge oil deposit in the pristine Arctic waters of Greenland, oh, which, of course, is part of Denmark and sort of 
Um, so we learn about the kind of continuing impacts of white colonisation on Indigenous people mm-hmm. in Greenland's population who are actually majority Inuit but Danish citizens. Oh, um, I've read that it's, of, it's darker. Is that right? It's it's definitely it's definitely darker. I think, um, but at the same time, you know, as the, and refer back to the Vanity Fair quote that doesn't kind of. Um, you know, I didn't kind of lie awake at night, not able to sleep. But certainly, the themes that it's kind of touching on are really, um, uh, you know, they are darker. But the cinematography and the kind of the camera work in Greenland, because they often, you know, every episode has sort of shooting there. It's just beautiful, and mm. it's the whole production is really beautiful. Um, and yet, kind and, of and, and her son Magnus, her, her son's grown up. Sorry to cut across you to become no, no, not at all. Uh, an environmental activist who isn't afraid yeah. to challenge his mother. <laughs> yeah, Remember this that is a really boy? interesting. Yeah, exactly. There's this kind of you know, and it's really interesting because ten years on, the last thing I'll say is that ten years on, you realise, oh my goodness, a lot has changed in one decade in political life, and including in kind of like media landscape and technology. So, media was always a important part of the season one, two, and three. But, you know, media is completely different the way it kind of interacts with politics mm. um, 10 years later. And that's really, that's forefront of the show as well. Okay, so it's, I'll, it's really I'll, I watching. must, must get to it. That's on must, Netflix. Yeah. <laughs> must. It is I on should. Netflix. Yeah. I should. Uh, now, Richard, you too have picked some non-English language TV series for us. Fascinating how our viewing habits have really embraced this, you know, when you think about it. Patria, Patria, I presume it is, a Spanish series on the ETA terrorist group. Tell us more. Yeah, so it's very easy, as you say, to drown in the Anglosphere in Australia. One of the great things about streaming platforms is we get great choice from around the world. Um, once again, my choices are pretty grim, but I, this is not didn't come out this year, but Patria about uh, the ETA terrorist group and its impact on a couple of families in a small Spanish town uh, is really, I think, the best thing I've seen in recent years. It's so oh. gripping. It's very tough to watch at times, oh, but it? really well done. Um, and just a terrific series. I think it's on Stan. I can't remember now, but it, it's really uh, uh, highly recommended, just about from every angle, acting, drama, plot, pathos. Um, how many episodes? I can't remember, maybe about eight to ten or something oh, like that. Oh, goodness, you did commit to it. Mm. And there's torture scenes, I can tell. Yeah, there? there's, there, there's uh, all of that, right. yeah. I won't be yeah. there. <laughs> I'll have to get out when that happens. And your other viewing pick is uh, Delhi Crime about the new New Delhi police. Yeah, this is equally grim. Um, but uh, you know, it's um, on Netflix. Is two series. Um, uh, the first one's actually about the notorious um, rape case in India of about a decade ago, uh, yep. when the young girl was dragged off a bus. Yep. And it is, um, you know, it's full of the conniving politicians, the pressure from the public, the activist NGO groups, and the police stuck in the middle. I mean, it probably is pro-police in some respects, and I don't understand the politics of that in India uh, enough. But once again, it's uh, really authentic, really well done, grassroots and the like. My Indian friends all highly recommend it. In English, is it? Uh, both in both English, English and, and Hindi, Hindi and right. uh, with subtitles. Now, look, we have a minute, I've just been told. So just a very quick, uh, Adele, um, you um, you want the uh, pick, in listening, the Democracy Sausage hosted by ANU's Mark Kenny. So if you can do that in about 30 seconds, I'll appreciate it, please. <laughs> yeah, okay. It's a podcast. It's a weekly podcast basically on Australian political affairs and kind of current affairs um, 
uh, run kind of out of ANU and um, some great episodes in there if you just want to kind of get a deeper look into kind of things that have happened during the week in in Australian politics. Um, there's a really interesting kind of live recording of a conversation between Mark Kenny and Stan Grant that I really enjoyed listening to most recently. So definitely that's worth a check. Okay. And I would say The Witch Trials of J.K. Rowling too, I'm listening to, which is a fantastic series I've just started listening to about really the, the dramas around uh, J.K. Rowling, very nicely produced from the US and really thought-provoking. Look, thank you both very much indeed. Thank you. Thanks, Geraldine. Uh, Dr. Richard McGregor from the Lowy Institute and Dr. Adele Webb from uh, uh, Canberra University. And we'll have all of those uh, suggestions on our website as well. Think bigger about the world we live in. Ask your smart speaker to play ABC RN.